can children consent to anything at all? Tim. So today we're going to be discussing the question of consent. Now, there's the obvious question of consent with respect to the age of consent, here, which we'll get to. But that's not the entire topic. Uh, that, that's only one of the more relevant discussions in this topic here. So can, and my question more broadly is, can children consent to any action here? I think children clearly exist. There are people that are younger than adults. There is some clear demarcation between children and adults, although the exact point is somewhat fuzzy and it's somewhat cross-cultural, like the Jews have bar mitzvahs, um, Christians have confirmation ceremonies. Uh, you know, uh, the ancient Spartans had some sort of confirmation of like coming of age ceremony. So there is sort of demarcation between uh, children and adults here. I was recently at a family event and one of my younger members of the family was trying to make a, a basket. Now I knew them, I knew their parents and so forth. So I just picked him up and he made the basket. He at first was sort of whined about it, but eventually he was happy about it. He asked me to do it again. Um, now, did he consent to that? Well, this is sort of a fuzzy area here. Does does someone really consent to that? And it's like, mm, not really, but I wouldn't really do that to adults anyway. And that's sort of a fairly minor thing here. Um, I was also recently at a sporting event and I got harassed by the mascot. It's another thing. Well, this is a sort of minor thing. Um, I didn't really consent to that. Maybe when I walked in, I consented to that. Um, but not not really here. Um, so consent has uh, consent has lots of tentacles in different areas. It's not just in um, it's not just in libertarianism here. Um, uh, it has areas in Marxism, liberalism, and libertarianism, of course, which is our sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you have the peaceful parenting types who think that you know you shouldn't really you should really put the burden on the parent to enforce any sort of corporal punishment or even or even things like time out. You could even argue are in some sense technically violent. Um, but, but back to the consent with the example, I was thinking in my head is, you know, children don't consent to church. Children don't consent to going to school. Children don't consent to, like, even what time they go to bed in many circumstances. Now, it is true that in older societies, children had more freedom. In third world societies, children have more freedom. Um, but there's a question, what's the freedom they have to do? They can sell goods to tourists. Like, you see that in Egypt, you see five, six-year-olds. Um, and you see like Amish farmers having their children at farmers markets and things like that. Um, so there is a certain sense where children have more, quote, freedom in that regard, older side. But in, in modern societies, children, modern Western societies, children don't really have that much freedom, but they never really had that much freedom in any sense. Even even those examples of those children, like they still don't really decide where they live. They don't decide what they eat in general. Uh, and of course, they don't really consent to school, which, and again, modern societies, children spend in some cases, 25% of their waking hours, if not even more. In one of my older jobs, I used to deal with, with, with students. And one of the upsides I thought I had is one of the reasons I think students liked me is because I, unlike many of the tutors and teachers, didn't like school myself. So like I had a sort of edge on it. Um, but the children didn't really want to be there. Um, that's sort of like a you know, point one thing you sort of have to recognize here. In, in Swithin's favorite episode, is Aristotle right about slavery? One of Swithin's comments was, in a sense, that we treat children as slaves. And we usually treat the mentally handicapped as the same way, or targeted, whatever politically correct word you want to use is fine with me. Um, by the Walter Block definition, slavery is you can't run away. Um, so again, children sort of meet this qualification here. Now, the parents are somewhat of a benevolent uh, slaveholder in some sense here. Um, but 
but because they, they can't run away easily. It sort of depends on what you think of the state is. Like, there's all truancy laws. There are, you know, you can have your children taken away from you. Um, you can be viewed as neglecting your children. Um, so the, the state has certain privileges, too, in our society, too. So there's some, in some ways in which the parents have no authority over their children, um, for better or for worse. And actually, in the Romans' case, you could, of course, execute your children in theory, whether that was in practice, but you could execute your sons, Patra's family here. This, this is one way in which Christianity is arguably improvement in liberal grounds over the, over the state. So, and Rothbard criticizes, to bring up Rothbard, if, um, Rothbard criticized modal libertarians because their view of, they sort of want the state to be the kind of parent here, like, like you know, to be the daddy, just to give you a bunch of money so you can have sort of consumer freedom here. Uh, so I sort of outlined the topic um, with respect to children and consent. I think consent is good enough doctrine. I know some like anti-liberals, reactionaries, natural law people will criticize consent as being more or less meaningless or subordinate. But in many circumstances, we use the language consent. Like if I if I walk into, you know, if I walk like me doing this episode, for example, you know, I asked you a time, you asked me if that time was okay, and then you said yes, and we both effectively consented to that. I think there's plenty of things in life that basically operate that. But children don't really have as much sway over that. Adults do. And you can argue over when should this start. That's a good question here. And that goes into this sort of Walter Block versus Sam Cedar territory here. 14, 15, 13, plus one day, plus one day. So, so then I outlined... <laughs> idea here. What can, What is consent in general? And particularly, what is in the context of children? Um, anarchists, of course, want to expand the realm of consent with respect to the state and left anarchists with mega corporations. But even, even in tyrannical societies, you still sort of see consent and coming of age and things like that happening. I presume, you know, adults have more privileges in North Korea or, or the Wehrmacht or the Gulags than children do. Um, so there is there, there's something like the obvious category of dependents or minors. You can debate over the term, but what do, what do you make of consent generally, and what do you make of consent with respect to children? So, I think- so when it comes to consent in general, there seems to me to have sort of two major components. Um, one is um, sort of intention, and the other one is knowledge. So to genuinely consent to something, uh, let's suppose it's uh, for money to rent out a property of yours to somebody else. Uh, You rent it out to them uh, because you want the money, you intend that. Uh, But you also have, you know, various knowledge that they will do X, Y or Z. And on the other side, you know, the... The property will be in sort of fit state of repair, etc. There's not even nails sticking out everywhere. And so there's going to be um, a sense of, well, for you to truly consent to something, you have to know what you're consenting to. So there's certainly sort of like a, a, a knowledge and intention. And then related, obviously, to knowledge is one of intelligence. Um, if you don't have um, sufficiently high intelligence then you could say that you, you don't consent a third matter though as well with consent is you could you could make the case well even if two parties do consent that doesn't justify it and that'd be a, 
that that would be a, a broader issue. But that would seem to me to be um, the content of what consent is. And then obviously the interesting thing is, well, in which circumstances um, can you consent uh, to particular things? You know, so you pick up the child, throw it in, in the basketball to make it, you know, do they consent to it? I mean, well, do they know what's involved about being picked up? Uh, well, maybe, but but it hasn't happened before. I mean, there's obviously going to you want to get in many cases on sort of uh, continuum issues, not just with age, but we also know what considers what kind of knowledge you, you need. And obviously, though, you could always claim that nobody actually consents to anything because nobody's omniscient, and therefore there could be some relevant fact about an activity which they are unaware of, and both parties are unaware, so it's not malicious on either, either side. Um, which would then sort of invalidate the consent. Um, but um, So you, you could go that way, although that seems somewhat implausible to have such a high bar for consent, especially since we seem to have a common notion of consent, particularly with adults, of what they agree to and what they don't agree to. And setting the bar there would be unnecessarily high and be making um, too much of some lack of knowledge which, which was somewhat incidental rather than essential to the act um, that was uh, agreed to. In, in a more general sense when it comes to sort of uh, contract law, uh, in the common law tradition you did really have until, well, until more recently use caveat emptor and it was buyer beware. When you consented to buy something, uh, you know, it was incumbent upon the buyer to do his due diligence to see whether or not um, you know, it was as good as he thought. Now, obviously, fraud was was always outward. You know, if I said in this box there there is chocolate, and in the box there happens to be bananas, then that would be fraud. But the extent to which how good the chocolate would be was it in good state of repair, etc. You know, to a large extent, that would be incumbent upon the um, the buyer to um, assess, to, to make an assessment himself of, um, but if it ended up being worse than he anticipated, well, it was buyer beware. There was no sort of positive obligation on the uh, seller to disclose, well, actually, you know, if you turn the screen on of his TV, you know, it's a slight scratch day, you know, you can use your eyes, you look. Um, so that would be sort of like some broad issues with consent. One question with children, you kind of um, discussed this a little bit uh, already, is one issue when we ask about can, can children can children consent to anything at all? The question is, what is a child? Um, which in one sense seems clearly obvious, in another sense doesn't. Um, this has reminded me of um, something I read in uh, Beatrice Gottlieb's uh, The Family in Western Europe, in which she says that um, the way in which the medieval world treated sort of um, non-adults is they split them, um, I think it was in that book, or it was in Jack Goody's book, I think, it was either one of those two, um, that 0-7 um, year olds were basically considered infants and they hadn't reached the age of reason, and so they really weren't very teachable. And then 7-14 to 14 was kind of like a child in the fullest sense, It's they're still not sort of directly on the road to becoming an adult. It's definitely childhood, but they have much more sort of reasoning capacity. And so in this sense, you could hold them to 
account, morally speaking, for errors that they may have committed or wrongs they have done in a way that you couldn't really do to a three-year-old or a four-year-old particularly. Um, and then they had 14 to 21, which was kind of like, probably, I don't remember what term was used, I think probably something like a youth, which you could argue corresponds to some extent with, well, effectively high school and college in the American sense. So, um, you know, middle school in England to sort of end of university and 21. And, and that would be um, sort of a, a youth and then over that would be an adult. Um, and obviously, oh, and then, well, from 14 onwards, though, I mean, to a large extent, in the medieval period, you could consent to anything. Well, you couldn't do anything. Uh, I, some inheritances, things you couldn't, you couldn't become a bishop, you couldn't, so there's various age restrictions. Um, but particularly with respect to marriage, for instance, from 14 onwards, you could consent to possibly earlier. Um, but um, that, that was a medieval breakdown. So I think really what we're doing here, we, we, we're talking about naught to fear, 14, 15, maybe 16. It's going to depend on the individual situation. We're probably going to get like early youth, mid youth between the 14 and 21, rather than sort of like the 18 plus or 17. Although again, it depends on the situation. So uh, I, I, I think we, we have the question of what is the child uh, here. So those are my overall. Um, oh, sorry. So, so, so that would be my overall general concept, uh, general com comments on what consent is and what children are. Great. Um, so can, now that we should have described what a child is or isn't, um, I think I think there's certain ways in which children, really young children are basically uh, just they're, they're, in, they're incomplete machines in a certain sense, in the sense that they just literally can't do anything. And I, I know I'm not supposed to, literally is a bad word, but I think in this sense, it's a perfectly technical to use. Like they can't open the door. They can't walk across a room. They can't feed themselves. Uh, by the time of seven, that's generally not true, unless there's something, quote unquote, wrong with them. Um, by the time of seven, that generally is not the case. Um, and by the time they're 14, they're more or less adults in, in, in biologically. Um, and then you get the sort of idea of teenagers, which I brought up before on this show, what I think is a dodgy area. And that's actually where the libertarians, people like Michelle Foucault, there was a conservative who was saying that Michelle Foucault probably had sex with minors. And it's like, well, he probably had it with like 13 or 14. And he, like, again, in some sense, I care. In some sense, I don't really care because go back into medieval times. Like, again, the Queen of France, Marie Antoinette, I think, was like 13. Um, or so. So like, like, you know, um, so the, you know, the actual age of marriage was much lower historically than it is now. In some sense, this is a, a modern creation raising the dates. And you get these weird areas where like you can't even um, you can't buy a gun in the United States, I think, till you're like 21 or 25. It depends on the state or certain things. There's all sorts of things you can't do. Um, um, arguably, the age of the driving is when you're an effective adult here, because if you can't drive in the United States, and if you live in, you don't live in like one of these five cities, you're technically unfree. But I do think children have less choices, and in some sense, that's a good thing for them. If they had those choices, they would just kill themselves or harm themselves, right? So, in some ways, their wills are violated. 
but I'd argue in a, in a, in a bizarre sense, this is where the parents are just being benevolent slaveholders um, in the sense that they are protecting them or they're starting to teach them how to use their bodies, their intellects, their, their, and so forth. So, so in that regard, I do think, but, but, but the sort of, but what, do, what do you make of the fact that children in general have much of their lives, I will just say decided for them early on here. Now, they don't get to choose to be born. Um, that's another interesting thing here. Uh, they don't get to choose born because anytime you bring up the children question, in certain right-wing circles, you get the abortion question. And that question, I do think that's relevant. But I'm sort of going to bracket those issues aside. Um, once you get born, you sort of just put on a, a path toward living. But like, what do you make of the fact that children um, don't really decide on anything here? Uh, are they kind of slaves here? And um, what do you make of that, Twitter? Well, they, they, they clearly are slaves in certain respects. Um, I, I think this is a comment on the concept of slavery as such. While some people want to reduce it to the to sort of consent and involuntarily involuntariness of it, obviously that's an essential feature. But there are many, it's, as it's common, it's a very multifaceted kind of uh, institution. There's not just slavery, there's various different types of slavery and what you can do with various slaves of time period. So, um, in, the, in the general sense of what people think is slavery, are children slaves? Well, no. But, do they, but are they similar to slaves insofar as their wills are subject to their parents in the same way that the wills of the uh, slave is subject to the slave master? Well, obviously. Um, but it's a good thing. Um, because children have insufficient capacity to do things, and so um, they need their parents to stop them killing themselves. Because children would basically kill each other on a regular, well, they would kill each other, they would get themselves killed um, or, uh, quite easily uh, without lots of um, parental involvement. So this, this comes back to my point. I made raised earlier, you know, uh, even though you might consent to something, you could argue that doesn't mean it's good. And you could make the case, well, yeah, it's consented to, but it still should be illegal. In a similar way, you know, the child might consent in a, ran, in a sort of qualified sense to, oh, I don't know, um, he decides that he wants to eat glass. Uh, and then the parents go, actually, no, probably not a good idea. I know you think you know what eating glass entails, but, um, uh, it's worse than you anticipate, so probably not a good idea. Not a good idea. I will prevent you from doing so. Um, so that's an issue uh, with respect to children, and, and this is yeah. I mean, effectively, parents are the uh, benevolent slaveholders. Um, the disanalogous position there, say with adults, is you you could say well, they do have sort of sufficient knowledge and sort of capacity of judgment such that, well, at least in principle, we should uh, take, we should sort of, I don't really want to, I can't think of a better word, respect their choice, as in we'll make it legally permissible to do things, uh, unless sort of there's demonstration otherwise of being sort of mentally retarded or something on those lines. Um, and so this needs to be a flip, but I said that based on intelligence and kind of knowledge, that would seem to be um, what the relevant uh, differences are. 
did I miss any of the part of your question? Because I think that was. No, no, that's that's good. Um, question here again is when should this happen? So we sort of discussed the Catholic reasoning with age seven, the right reason age fourteen. We sort of discussed it somewhat, and this shows up in sort of continuum debates here within libertarianism. Like you sort of have a, you know, you have a person who's zero, and you have a person who's twenty-five. Obviously, the twenty-five-year-old is an adult, okay, and obviously the person who just was born is an infant. The question is between this, these two continuums, what is, what is the position that is, you know, when, when they become cease to become the, uh, when they cease to become the uh, uh, infant and start to become the adult instead of, like you can pick, you can try to pick a day and societies have picked dates here, 16, 18, 21, 15, uh, and historically was somewhat younger. That's partly because people didn't live as long um, and, and they couldn't have this sort of idea of teenagerhood. But it is it is an interesting age. Like, what, what method should go into picking this? Is this just going to be an arbitrary number? Are we unable to not pick an arbitrary number? Swithin? Well, I was saying, I think it depends what you're consenting to. Um, I mean, so for instance, children have historically uh, and... Um, still do have jobs of certain descriptions, at least in the age of 14. Child actors are probably the easiest example. Uh, do they consent to act and be paid? Well, they aren't technically paid. I think their parents are paid. Um, so they do consent. So even though the way it might be packaged, it seems obvious that they do consent. Although I suppose you could say they're coerced by their parents because their parents can make loads of money out of them. Which I suppose is possible, and and actually that's a theme of um, uh, what's the uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's film Magnolia, which is effectively that, which is like oh we'll just sort of we'll sort of coerce kids because they'll make us a lot of money uh, in TV and stuff. Um, so I mean it seems clear that children can consent to. The, I think the question, I think what we have with chi- with children adults is this. Adults, we basically assume they can consent to anything that is consentable to. And then with children, there are things that they can consent to at certain times, but not others. And so it's sort of a sliding scale of sort of what can one uh, consent to. What, let, me, let me zero in here, Swithin. What about like important things, like whether or not you can get married? Like there's, a, there's relatively important or whether or not you can sign a mortgage or open a bank account, relatively things of importance, or whether you can join the military, that's never a debate. So, you know, like I think in World War II, a lot of Americans were actually underage based on consent laws. And they just sort of, I think they had their parents sign. Um, even in the United States, I think when you have to go on a field trip and you're really young, you have to get your parents, you have to ask, you have to have a permission slip to be taken out all day. So like important things, now those, those like field trips aren't really that important. But things like marriage and military membership or, or, or things similar to that. Those are relatively important. Within. So, do the easy ones a bank account? I, I, I don't. If it's just a case of they're depositing money and not paying anything, I, I, I don't see what the issue is in them opening on their own at the age of seven. Uh, not that they would. Uh, in the same way, for various um, jobs, I, I don't see why children couldn't consent to mow somebody's lawn or to. Um, 
you know, have a regular sort of basic job working, even working at something like um, McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever. It's like the griddle is hot. Yeah, I know that. Fine. I'll avoid it. No. So I, I think you can do that. Military service and marriage are much more interesting. Though. Um, military service is an interesting one. In the UK, you can join at 16 currently. Um, I would say, again, it, it's going to it's going to be whether or not um, you are um, you know what I say it's knowledge and intelligence. It also depends on what you would do in the military as well, because a lot of the time now the military is kind of well, basically a welfare program. There's lots of like uh, useless jobs people do just to get paid and not on welfare. I'm doing a job. Uh, and there's all these auxiliary stuff as well. But let's make it more, let's say frontline fighting. Um, if you're frontline fighting, I mean, I think you're probably going to need to have, at least to, to some extent, a decent level of physical development. Um, although I suppose you, uh, in certain circumstances, I mean, you could, child soldiers would be justified. Um, well, I mean, in, insofar as we've got no one else has to fight, but let's get the kids to fight. Assuming, of course, fighting to the end was the appropriate choice, which it might not be, but let's suppose it was. That makes the example more interesting. Um, so I suppose it would depend on, do they really understand what life and death is? And if so, we'll, we'll, then they can consent. Um, at any age, really, I would suppose. Now, what age would that really be in many cases to have like what would be considered an appropriate? So, for instance, you know, that children play games. Ah, oh, they killed me. It's like we killed you in the game. It means your 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 number on your game. You have one less life. That's not death in sort of like the fullest sense of death. Um. So. But again, though, here, what you would think as well as though with children consent is, well, whether the parents can override their consent. Um, so uh, this is a relevant, so, um, this is a segue a little bit to marriage. There's an, a famous case in England in the legal things in, um, what year was it? 1985. Um, and it developed something called Gillick competency. Basically, uh, some doctors wanted to prescribe contraceptives to an under 16 year old. Um, and the question was whether the, uh, the child consents to it or not. Uh, and basically they said, well, yeah, they could if they understood it. And uh, crucially, they didn't need to tell their parents. Uh, so this could be done without parental consent. That was the main thing. Um, this actually is well them um allowed them later on in 2006 to allow underage teenagers to have uh, abortions now i didn't want to talk about that but it's 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 kind of relevant here um without parental the parents knowing now to uh and, and then but more interestingly uh, more recently uh, although this ruling was overturned um, there was a ruling from the high court which said that um taking puberty blockers under the age of 16 would always, in all cases, be assumed not that the parties would not be able to consent to them. Um, well, that'd be the assumption unless they could prove that, you know, that they were um, sufficiently 
um, cognitively aware of the effects of beauty droppers to take them. And this also as well uh, moves interestingly into the whole coronavirus vaccine stuff because um, the NHS uh, stated this, 12 to 15 year olds should be deemed Gillick competent to provide their own consent to be vaccinated against COVID-19 despite the Joint Council on uh, oh, the Joint Council on Vaccine uh, Vaccination and Immunization failing to recommend COVID-19 vaccines for healthy 12 to 15 year olds. Um, so they so they used the sort of Gillick competency there. But basically the Gillick competency was only ever really used for sex related um, stuff and, and uh, vaccines when the parents really want them. Um, but that's kind of a background that which then then moves on to marriage. Um, you know, when can you consent to that? Uh, I was looking at a, a Catholic manualist from the 20th century called, uh, what was he called? Uh, Cavan, I think his name is, oh yeah, uh, Charles Jerome Cavan. And, and he said that, you know, um, boys could consent at 16 and girls could consent at 14, but in most cases, uh, it would have to be over 16 and 18, uh, which kind of fits at least the English uh, law to some extent or general practice. Uh, just when they were married, I can't actually remember how old she was when she was married, uh, but there is evidence to suggest that if you live in, you have relatively harsh upbringings, you tend to mature more quickly uh, physically. Yeah, I think puberty onset is earlier. Um, when you have um, more um benign environments you develop less quickly at least i seem to remember ed dutton arguing something similar so um it's going to depend so what the age is is going to depend on physical and mental development which may or may not change in certain circumstances so when can you consent to marriage i would basically say well let's think about this um when you're physically able to basically have sex and to understand well this leads to kids and, and if you can do that then i think you can pretty much consent to it um in the case in well yeah so i would say as a general rule i mean if the, the whole consent stuff tends to focus on girls rather than boys probably because the unequal impact that it has on their bodies um is that if a girl is sufficient, is fully physically mature, which to be fair happens around 16 in many cases and can be earlier, um, the assumption I would have is they probably can consent to marriage unless there's evidence otherwise, because it tends to be the case that cognitive um, maturity is at least to a large extent correlated with physical maturity. Now, of course, you can make the argument that men aren't physically mature until 25, which I think is true to some extent. And then there's some brain stuff, Stephen Molling has talked about that in the past, uh, that matures at certain different ages. Um, but um, I would say you would need to have some sort of physical development so that you could actually have sex and engage in sort of marital relations and have sufficient knowledge. So um, I would say, so I don't like putting an age on it. But I can understand historically why 14 was used for girls in certain circumstances. And interestingly, it was the age of marriage, the youngest in Spain until relatively recently, until the feminists made lots of uh, noise about it, increased 60. Um, 
boys don't tend to mature until slightly later. So, I mean, and that's all, if you look at all the history stuff, it's always girls can consent earlier. Um, so, as a general rule, minimum probably 14, but I suppose in certain circumstances it could be earlier. Boys could be younger than 16, could be 15, or could be 14. Could be earlier. Um, I, I think the ages are probably best as a, as a useful rough and ready calculus as opposed to a fixed um, law, as it were. And of course, you've got to remember as well is when they're so young as well, they're probably going to have a lot of parental influences. Like unless they're somehow independently wealthy, they're probably. Well, I suppose they, they they could leave the ha- the household and try and work immediately. I suppose that's possible. Uh, but especially today, that's probably not going to work too well. So you're going to have uh, those things there. So um, hopefully I wasn't too rambling. Those are my oh my general thoughts on 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 marriage and marriage, uh, age of marriage, etc. I will say that one of the interesting ironies is here is as much as and again I want to be very careful about my comments here. As much as conservatives in general are against the sort of uh, young children, you know. Which again, I am too, partly because you sort of have to say it if you want to be online. I'll say pedophilia. Historically speaking, marriage was much younger. In the societies that conservatives generally like, you know, there is this sort of large gap which occurs between, you know, when you're 14 and like you're 35 in some cases before you get start a new family here. There's that sort of almost increasingly 20 year gap um, here between here. So I think that's one area where in which People are just sort of in a, in a gray zone historically because this time period didn't really exist here. With child stars, like interestingly enough, not to, not to totally annoy some listeners by mentioning this, but like people who are independently wealthy, athletes and like and singers who get wealthy young oftentimes have certain problems. Like Justin Bieber, for example, he's something of a reactionary Christian of some variety. Again, that's that's I, I should be careful about saying that, but like he was like you know, worth like a billion dollars by the time he was like, and certain YouTubers have this problem too, where they have the money to be independent, but they're sort of still um, under the aegis of their parents, here, which is sort of an interesting factoid here. Um, but my final topic here is with, with regret to consent in general. You said that adults can consent to things that are consentable. What are things that are consentable? Um, is What are the best arguments against consent here. I, you afforded me a natural law argument that uh, said that you know, consent was a liberal ideas of consent are sort of um, unsound. What Do you agree with that sort of natural law criticism against consent? I think consent is a perfectly useful uh, idea. I mean, I think, I, think it, I think it's sort of hard not to have society without it. Like in some ways, you know, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Okay, I choose this instead of that. I consented to it. Now, again, you can say, well, you don't have enough choices. This is sort of the Marxist argument why wage slavery is slavery. There's not enough choices. You're not, you're not, you don't have enough equal power. But to be fair, it doesn't really seem that there's, like, how do you get equal power here? Especially, like, when, you know, one person knows more than others. You know, you have the buyer beware in that sort of, that sort of contract. But if you're selling your labor, um, that's a sort of problem here. So, and, like, and, and, and Marxism, in a way, is just hyper-liberalism. So I sort of get suspicious when right-wing people um, who are critics of individual cite, like, sort of vaguely Marxist arguments. It's like, well, yeah, the community 
the community in a way is very, you, know, you can refer to other sources here, but like, um, consent seems useful. Uh, it seems, it seems like in some way it sense exists in the past. I mean, why would people swear oaths, um, historically if consent was just a sort of modern creation here? Um, or why would they sign anything? I mean, you can see documents signed, uh, if, if it's just, it seems like it existed in the past and it continues to function, at least in some ways. So now the, the, part of this is the continuum problem between the infant and the 25 year old. Um, but, but like what, what will be things that you can consent to and what would be things you can't consent to? What do you think we should make ought to consent to? Now you say, well, you can't, in that article you sent me, you can't consent to self harm. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's fair in a way, um, but then it depends on what exactly is self-harm. The state, for example, will say that smoking is harmful, so we'll just not allow you to buy cigarettes. Or they'll say that you know sugary sodas aren't uh, harmful. So this is where I say like the authorities, like you get in this sort of natural law circles, they give the state a certain kind of authority, which I think is dodgy. That's sort of like the anarchists in me. Um, you know, the state shouldn't. And in the same way with COVID vaccines, they wanted everyone to get vaccinated. So they, of course, just overrided the parent consent as much as they could. Um, they did it in the United States, too. Like, they just offer the shots. If a 16-year-old came in, they weren't going to check his ID. They weren't going to turn him away. They weren't going to call his parents and double-check to make sure the parents wanted that. They just wanted, you know, it, 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 there's no... So, so like, consent here. And same with abortion here. So conservatives, in this respect, one reason I didn't want to bring it up was because the de facto law of the day is abortion is de facto legal. In a sense, the state itself tips the scale toward it. So if a 16-year-old walks in, you know, a 16-year-old might not be able to be charged for a criminal trial, but a 16-year-old is able to consent to that. Um, so that's my point here. What, what would be a consentable action here? This is my final comment slash question. We spoke to focus on children, but I think we should end with a sort of general comment on consent like what are the best arguments against consent what do you think is the best arguments for consent Swithin? well I, I don't know of anybody who objects to consent per se i mean consent is clearly good in many circumstances the question is is well, in which areas can you not consent now let's just limit this here to adults i think the two, the most interesting um cases for, uh, interesting arguments against consent would be in the case of um, voluntary euthanasia um, and uh, basically be, being uh, being consented to someone to kill you. So the latter case, the most interesting one was there was a, a German man on trial for murder um, because he put out an advert and said, does anybody want to be eaten? And a man said, yes, I want to be eaten. And then he went to the guy, the guy killed him and ate him. And the defense of uh, the uh, German guy was that, well, um, you know, he wanted to be eaten. So he should. So this actually goes into sort of like uh, classic water block territory of Murder Park. Now, technically speaking, it wouldn't be Murder Park. It would just be a park in which you could go in there and, you know, if you got shot there, well, you know, you consented to be shot there because it's Murder Park and you go in and kill people. Um, so when it comes to like, self-harm, I would say in the situations of uh, consenting for someone to kill you um, and uh, voluntary euthanasia, 
Now, you can... What it, the voluntary euthanasia, and you get the double effect thing is, you know, it, it is turning off um, the life support machine. Is that euthanasia? Well, no. But let, let, let's just talk about a situation where, oh, get the pillow and, um, you know, um, suffocate me, for instance. Uh, just, just think about more obviously direct forms of someone killing you. Um, you know, can you consent to that? Well, you can, obviously. Uh, but should that be recognised? Well, I don't. I think no. Why? Because uh, existence is the gra- is existence is the grounds of any good at all for any being. So um, for anything to be good for something, that something must exist. And so by eliminating yourself, you are getting rid of any gra- the grounding of anything good happening to you. Um, and since um, what is moral is ultimately based on what is good for the agent, because there's a relation between uh, what is good for the agent and what is right. Obviously, there's certain circumstances in which doing things that are right will cause um, injury or certain things to somebody else, but ultimately they're related. Um, and in, so in those cases, I would say, well, no, the consent shouldn't be recognised. And so, yeah, the German cannibal should be cons- um, convicted of murder. And this is, of course, assuming that the guy did consent to it, because obviously, so like the Walter Block's position would be, well, yeah, you could have consent. Like, me, me, yeah, theoretically, you can consent, but, you know, in a legal situation, you're going to have to set a very, very hard, but high bar to determine whether or not they did consent, because your assumption is that did someone consent to be eaten? Probably not. Um, this is well as interesting as well. I've heard stories like voluntary euthanasia and consent, interestingly, I think it's in like, Holland, um, whereby ultimately European countries where it's legal. Um, they they say beforehand, if they get into the state, I want to be killed. But then they obviously physically resist being killed when they're old and in dementia. But they kill them anyway and say that they consented to it. So then that raises the question, well, does the fact that they're resisting demonstrate that they have withdrawn their consent? And um, that gets to the Rothbard art, uh, quote I put on the document, which is, you know, do you, can you consent to future actions? Can you can you be, you know, if I agree with someone that I will do X in 10 days, if I don't do X, can they call can they force them to do so? Now, Rothbard says, no, you can't because the will is free and you can't do that because you always have the option of changing your mind. Uh, but it's interesting that um, they don't seem to take that view with voluntary euthanasia. Um, whilst they would tend to do that in a normal contract. Now, uh, if you broke the contract, you wouldn't tend to be forced to engage in specific performance. That is, turn up and keep doing the original job. You might just have to compensate financially your employer or someone else you've breached a contract for. Um, that does that option doesn't seem to be open to the, the uh, old guy who is uh, close to being uh, euthanized. So so that would be the, so that 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 case would be the one I would say no consent shouldn't be considered valid. I don't really have any more comments here with respect to consent here. I do think we outlined that children children have clearly weakened 
children have weak, and weak knowledge, less knowledge than adults, well, effective adults, and children also have less, less ability than adults, especially young children. That severely hampers their ability to do things to begin with, or even think of doing things. Um, so I don't really have any more comments with respect to children, or for that matter, adults. I, I do think adults, the case of euthanasia is interesting. Um, you know, if you sort of consent now and you, you, you just like you resisting later on. Um, with respect to Rothbard, you know, contract laws, that's an interesting, can you like, can you sell yourself, you know, it goes back to the old, can you sell yourself into slavery uh, debate here? And it's like, well, this is sort of your suture of violating your will here. And in a way, marriage is a kind of, that's why I, I, that's why one of the reasons why I focus on marriage, especially marriage in the older context, like when marriage was were thicker, uh, as like Peter Hitchens described, it's hard to get out of. You know, can you sort of commit yourself? You know, and actually, I sort of brought up the comment about conservatives here with age of marriage. I suspect one of the reasons why conservatives want their own children to get married later is because I think they'd be, in some sense, um, wiser or have more knowledge when they're older as when they're compared to when they're 17 or 16 or 18. Because marriage age used to be much younger here in the United States, as in Britain, as in worldwide, from my understanding. Um, so I do, I do, that's one of the reasons why I sort of focused in on that topic. And we did do, a, we did do an episode on child, in defense of child labor. Um, uh, so, so we sort of hit that topic before, and I'm more or less in agreement with it. Of course, children don't consent to going to school, really. And I'd say if you gave children a description of what school is, they would really have to value the future um, to actually make that choice, they'd have to have a high time preference. Like, do you consent to sit all day to learn these things? So within 20 years, you can be, you could, you could go full sociological Marxist and say that, well, we shouldn't have to have a society where everyone has to have credentialed education. Yes, I agree. Um, but it, only children with really high time preference would choose that over going to the playground. Um, I mean, in some sense, I'd have to be suspicious of a child would actually do that. Um, um, so in that regard, for better or worse, parents do have to somewhat counteract their will. And then the innocuous example, like the, in the pool or the basketball course, I said, well, that's fairly innocuous in general. Um, so those are my overall comments here. I think it's a useful, I think it's a useful concept, especially for adults. The continuum problem is a problem, but I don't really see any escape from that. That's as with all continuum problems. So with any further comments, thanks for doing it. No, it's good to do. Um, just one thing: historically, the age of marriage was earlier in certain circles, but not always that early. I think a lot of the earlier marriages were uh, aristocratic ones or ones to cement marriage ties and sort of uh, property things. So, for instance, in um, Renaissance yeah, but, but Italy. Let me quickly interrupt here. Yeah, but like people, people today get married like when they're thirty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I was point like the Elizabethan era and the late, uh, the early modern period in England. I mean, women didn't get married until they were like um, men had to be in their mid twenties typically, and women were in their early twenties normally, basically because the men would had to be considered to be reasonably financially independent. And even with um, apprenticeships and stuff, they weren't until that age. So it was always uh, uh, early. Um, was later than you suppose. Clearly not nearly as late as now. Now, that said, um, you do effectively have common law, common law marriage significant uh, at similar time periods today. I mean, you don't tend to get very many common law marriages. Uh, no. Now, I know that the common law marriages aren't really recognised in the way they were historically, but effectively you had co- 
he may start to have had common law marriages of people between the ages of 18 and like 20. But today, you definitely get them post sort of college age in the early 20s, which is comparable really with the um, medi uh, the, the early modern period, just not in the teens typically. Um, so it, it was early historically, although it wasn't always as early as you would think. And actually, the marriage age, I think, fell from the post-war period, Second World War period, and was actually as lowest in England, I think, in the early 1970s, if I have my memory correct. And then it increases rapidly. I think women on average are married at 21. Um, and so even earlier, earlier on, certainly in Northern Europe, it wasn't as low as in other countries. Now, I do think it's true in the hotter countries in the south, in the Mediterranean, uh, North Africa and stuff. They were lower, uh, but certainly in the ones I'm aware of in in sort of more Europe and Northern Europe um, were a, a lot of the other ones are um, for property reasons. Oh, I was going to say Renaissance um, Italy. If you have an aristocrat wants to get married, they was like months and months of negotiation beforehand as to who would inherit what. It was a business deal, which took ages and ages and ages to to finalise. So you are right, historically they weren't, and that was because a lot of land was attached to um, inheritance, whereas today, uh, testaments um, and the wills and stuff override um, relate, um, kin at all points if it's shown to be done with witnesses and at, uh, with a good mental state. Uh, so so th th those would be uh, my final uh, comments here. Now I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Popping on YouTube. The more subscribers we get there, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if, uh, if you'd like to contact the show for any reason, please contact us at mindcrying at gmail.com. That's mindcrying at gmail.com.